missed the record button when I just went to hit it. I got it. All right, welcome back to Noise Evocation Podcast. Ryan with Jeremy, as always. What up? You got any news stuff or anything important that you would like to get out before we uh, get into the interview for this mm. week? At the time of recording this, the Cold as Life shows tomorrow. Yeah, I'll so come I, back with It would have been the, the weekend before once this airs. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. My mind's on not on the music news as so much as the... Uh, Looking forward to the show. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. I understand what you mean. But at the same time, I don't think there's anything too major. Most of the music news that I've seen lately is... like sad. All about Taylor Swift shit. Yeah. And it's not even music news. It's just like... Bullshit. Oh, she's dating a football player. Nobody cares. But apparently everybody cares. You yeah, seen dude. those? You seen that metal shirt that I sent you? Oh, those? yeah, yeah, for sure. It's <laughs> hilarious. shit was funny. So anyways, aside from all that, today here we have Rigby from the band The Crutches out of Charging Falls, Ohio. Uh, if you have not heard of the band, definitely go check them out. Uh, all of their social media info and whatnot will be in the episode description they're like a blues rock kind of garage rock mixture of a a handful of different genres that i think blend together pretty well it's kind of like blues like black keys meets white stripes almost you know it's, what, it's definitely a melting of pot of um different styles coming together to create you know a different kind of sound yeah it's cool though they got a hold of us, which I thought was actually really cool. I always am flattered when that happens because it doesn't happen often. I mean, it's not the first time, but it's not like it's happened a million times. So. Let's just say it's not the tenth time. <laughs> yeah, it's like the fourth or something. One but, day we'll get to where it's like, oh, you guys are the hundredth band. You win a T-shirt. Yeah. Um, maybe. Or we'll wait, see. we're going to have to put you. We're six months booked out. Hang on, dude. <laughs> yeah. But uh, as long as you don't have anything that you'd like to add or anything, Jeremy, I'm going to play one of their more recent singles by the name of Find Me. Um, They have a four-song EP, two four-song EPs, actually. Uh, You can stream them on all platforms. You can find them on YouTube, Bandcamp, uh, Apple Music, Spotify, Tidal, all that stuff. So if you enjoy the song that we're about to preview, go check them out. Follow them on Instagram. Uh, follow us on Instagram if for some reason you don't already at Noise Avocation. And yeah. Check out the song, man.
Okay, so we have Rigby here from the band The Crutches from Ohio. How's it going, man? Thanks for jumping on the show. Going great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we appreciate it. Um, first off, how did you find us was a question that I wanted to ask you because you got a hold of us on Instagram a while back. So I'm just curious, like, what brought us to your radar? Yeah, so we're in the, the building phase right now, which obviously uh when instagram when instagram really um started getting big it really showed itself as being such a great marketing tool because it was just a better platform for you know meeting people um building relationships with people cross promoting and collaborating and so you know a lot of people including those that might be listening to this right now probably uh heard from us because of something they're involved in, whether that be uh, a venue or a promoter or other bands. But we really like getting to know other people and uh, staying connected if we uh, find ways to collaborate and work together. Right on. That's good to know. Yeah, that's all good stuff. We've only had like a, a small handful of bands hit us up. Usually we're reaching out to people, so we're always like ecstatic when somebody finds the podcast and reaches out man good on you guys i mean that's i really would i think the scene just in general our country would be better off musically speaking if there was more um diy and indie labels and promoters and podcasters that actively were looking for talent and pushing it out there instead of this doggy dog thumbing your nose attitude that a lot of um that we get to all experience in the music world. 
Yeah, our whole like our whole idea behind starting this was bringing light to bands that we liked that people may have not heard of or that we feel were underappreciated or uh, you know somebody came out with a new record and it's awesome like we want to help get that stuff out there because we were already doing that anyways just yeah, so in our like, day-to-day lives record it and like with the store we do it all the time so we figured like oh, why not have a podcast in the back of the record store Man, that's awesome. Yeah, so we, we had a post about this uh, pretty early on when we launched the Instagram that we voted ourselves the world's okayest band, um, <laughs> and that's about as official as things can be. And so when you hold the title of the world's okayest band, it is uh, appreciated when others choose to um, promote your work in a non-self-deprecating way that we have a habit of doing. Yeah. I like that term though, the world's okayest band, because it doesn't seem uh, it doesn't seem like you're very full of yourself, but in a good way. Like it's important <laughs> to be like, oh, you know, we're like we're doing things good, like we're uh, advancing along in our career as musicians and that sort of thing. But like, we're not trying to be uh, Metallica. Yeah, exactly. And you know, as a self-loathing hipster, I like bunch of bands that nobody's ever heard of but i also like the beatles and i like craft mac and cheese at the same time as eating you know a twinkie wrapped in prosciutto or whatever weird hipsters <laughs> eat um i enjoy it but uh it, the self-deprecating nature of musicians can go to the extreme and that is uh something that we like if something's not worth making a joke about it's not worth doing that's a good attitude to have yeah I was recently told that about life. Or laugh at life, then what's the point? Where it was like, yeah, just here to party, man. And then (laughs) one day, lights out, so live it up while you can, you know? You get this advice from like Dana Carvey or. (laughs) Uh, I got it from my deaf friend, Dave. Shout out to the fucking man formerly known as the War Machine. He is now married and. Yeah, because his batteries are. His deaf ass is totally listening to this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> noise avocation now in braille <laughs> or no no you'd still be able to read never mind that's blind yeah that's blind dude. <laughs> my bad so anyways rigby why don't you tell us Apple. like uh yeah. how did uh this band start yeah so we, we all three came from very different backgrounds i found myself you know early high school in the pop punk scenes uh, I know that Rooster, for instance, was more of the oldies and um, the old rock and roll from the 60s scenes. And Doc really got a lot of like psychedelic uh, influence in his uh, musical repertoire. And all three of us found, um, as we crossed paths with each other, there was very few uh, musicians that we had met personally that we could um, build outside of our own genre that we found ourselves in. We also decided we were wanting to be internet heavy and a lot of resources go into that. So we wanted to make sure all the infrastructure was in place prior to really launching our first album. So this, this brainchild was birthed in middle of 2022 and if i remember right our first ep was dropped in singles was dropped in december november december of 2022 so we're right right at our first year of being a band november 25th it says 
perfect. You know better than I do. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I that's November twenty fifth. That's what I. That's what I have on Spotify as well. Yep. Oh, awesome. Yeah, that's when we dropped the first few songs. Um, we did a four track EP. Immediately started working on our second four track EP, which we just finished. Released the last song from that um, last week, I think. Yeah, it was the. That wasn't Find Me. It was another one. I'm trying to think. Yeah, of so we um, decided in our abundance of creativity that we would uh, do House of the Rising Sun <laughs> because it's a public domain song and we're cheap. It's a great song. Uh, you know, so many people. Funny, funny thing. I spoke with somebody recently who said, wow, what a great five-finger death punch song. Never <laughs> oh knew. Oh, my God. Are you serious? Was, you know, a folk song that was originally done by Lead Belly. It's even done by Bob Dylan before the Animals, yep. who probably made it the most famous. And uh, after about a two and a half week long fight with archaic policies on YouTube, uh, we finally got it put out there. And um, apparently the uh, gods at Google don't understand public domain, but we got it out there for everybody with the uh, our newest music video of a show we had. And so definitely check that one out. It was a fun one. We had a lot of fun recording it. Yeah, I'll put a link to that in the episode description for sure. That makes a lot of sense now because I'm just thinking of, I mean, that's got to be up there with one of the most covered, recorded covered songs, I would think. Yeah, so there's a lot of um, back and forth as to what's public domain and what's not public domain. And without boring people with legalese, if you can prove to me you're the one that wrote it and recorded it first, I will uh, put you back in your casket where you came from. Right, right. <laughs> so how would you describe your band's sound? Because I've read it as like blues rock, um, kind of a fusion of a few different things. So what do you guys consider yourselves? Yeah, right. so I think we are a, uh, we're a nexus. We're a crossroad between laziness meets um, energy. And um, when you mix more of your slow rock with your more punky rock attitudes, I feel like that's what you get. But we've grown. We've had a lot of fun these past two EPs uh, with – actually, I'm not sure if you knew this. All of the songs that we've recorded up to date, other than vocals, were recorded live. Oh, uh, cool. so if you put a click track to any of our uh, songs, they're not going to be even even. Sometimes that's how you get the best uh, performance. I, I, so. um, yeah, I like that. As we may have had in-ears for House of the Rising Sun. Yeah, we recorded with in-ears and a click for House of the Rising Sun, but still live and overdubbed vocals because I'm just not that talented. But over the next couple albums, we, we have a couple projects that we're working on that might surprise some people. For the most part, I'm putting down the guitar and picking up the piano. I have incredible uh, back strength, which is why I'm able to pick up the piano. <laughs> and we're going to be... vocals too, correct? Yes, yes. So we have one where Doc is going to be singing a song, a song or two, trying to decide which ones go on the next EP. And then I've got two that are going to be put out. Yeah, I drew a lot of inspiration from Dean Martin's song Everybody Loves Somebody also the Lady Gaga Tony Bennett album May He Rest in Peace Love for Sale um, so it's going to be very crooner like but it's still going to have our edge to it where we can sneak it in there 
That sounds interesting as far as uh, like creativity-wise goes because it's not a thing that you hear that often. Absolutely. So really what we came down to is we love our rock fans. Absolutely. Rock music have some of the best fans in the industry, mm-hmm. but we also like to be paid. And rock music is very rarely put into movies and TV shows. So we decided to sell out proverbially, uh, literally, and um, do some stuff for the big guy. And then we'll come back to the little guy and start putting out the stuff we like more. You are not the first artist to have that plan. I've heard it. <laughs> and it's smart, though. Like, I mean, if you if you want to get your music noticed, especially the stuff that wouldn't hit, like, mainstream airplay, like, you might have to sacrifice a little and put out something that is a little bit different that might tailor to that sound. But if you want your band to be noticed, like, you got to... You do more damage from the inside than you do from the sideline. And you can always sneak in your influences into uh, what you're doing. I mean, now to be quite honest, it's not something necessarily that I'd have as much fun playing live with. But if you were to look at my record collection, most of it's crooner music at this point. If if anything that I've got on the turntable on any given day is going to be Tony Bennett, Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, really anybody from the Rat Pack. Uh, it's just something I've been uh, excited about lately. Anything that's piano-driven, uh, I get really excited about. Elton John, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road was another one I drew a lot of inspiration on from some of these uh, these new projects that we're working on. So once we get this new EP out, we'll be uh, deciding what direction to go from there. So you just have a lot of pop influences then in this upcoming... Yeah, pop influences that... Um, you know, short of Tony Bennett and Elton John have been dead for a long time. Frank, you mean Elton John's still kicking? Yeah, Elton John's still kicking. Yeah. He said with the exception of Oh, well, Tony Bennett just died. Yeah, Tony Bennett. Elton John's probably still got a yeah. hundred more years left in him or something. Oh, I love uh, Frank Sinatra, man. I'm a I'm a Frank guy for sure. Yeah, I'm absolutely I love him myself. Yeah, Elton John and Keith Richards. See, the goal of anybody that is trying to push for climate policies in this country is to make sure that we have a habitable world for Elton John and Keith Richards to live in. <laughs> Speaking of Keith Richards, I did, I had, I heard some old, it'd be like an old Rolling Stones tones in your guitars and shit and some of those songs, like that, an old blues tone that sounds really good. Yeah. And um, What kind of amp are you running? So couple different ones uh when we recorded live i was running through two amps for most of our songs uh fender excelsior okay which is a pretty fun little amp 13 watts of pure disgustingness uh from fender's pawn shop series of amps yep we i was moving from you know the disgusting you know, everybody owned their hundred dollar crate amp that looked <laughs> cool in the yeah. store and I was moving to tubes, and Fender had just come out with the Excelsiors, and it was a really cheap tube amp. And gosh, it broke up. It's got a 15-inch speaker. It breaks up beautifully. Um, so that one was rocking uh, most of the album. And then also we were running a um, Epiphone Valve King Jr. Okay. through Marshall uh, 412 cab. So five watts pushing out of a 412 was fun. Did they have did the cab have greenback? You know, I don't remember to be quite honest. 
that was in the studio. I don't own those Epiphones uh, sound fucking killer though, man. Those Valve Kings. They do. Epiphone has really great amp products. I which you wouldn't expect, at least I didn't when they came out. You'd think they'd be like mediocre, but no, they they sounded pretty killer for the price point. Price point. I mean two, three hundred dollars for a head. Incredible. Yep. We recorded on the guitar. I did some of it on a telly. The rest of it I either did with um, airline guitars, Eastwood Guitars, great company. Uh, also, First Act did a oh, lot shit. of work with Kirk. The old, the old Walmart. Guitar. Yeah, the old Walmart guitars. I know First yeah, Act or did make some were. higher end guitars. They, old guitar we, world. I would that higher. If I wanted a higher end guitar, I'd buy a higher end guitar and not have to hide, put tape over the logo. <laughs> right. Um, the ones I can tell you the the way we were on tour and we were hanging out in St. Louis with a label owner who was buying new um, hi-hats for his kit that he had at their studio. And he said, you want to go on a ride with me? I need to go to Music Go Rounds there in St. Louis to buy uh, some hi-hats. We said, absolutely. So we jumped in his VW. We drive down to the music store. And at this point, I had exclusively played Fender products. And let's see. Rooster had looked at me and pulled a guitar off the shelf and handed it to me and says, do you, do you want, you should buy this guitar. And I thought it looked kind of cool. So it's first act. I was like, uh, first off, we're broke. I don't have money for a guitar. Second off, uh, are you kidding me? He said, no, I can make this playable. Look at the price. And I looked and it was, it was 1999. It was 20 bucks. He proceeds to pull a second one off the shelf. Same thing, 20 bucks. So I, I remember it like it was yesterday. We, we walk up to the counter. The record label owner was in front of us buying the hi-hats, and it was like $250 for this pair of hi-hats that he got. So the guy rings him up and says, hi-hats, $250. And then I go put two guitars on the counter. He starts chuckling. Bucks. It was like $43.67 for two electric <laughs> guitars. And I beat those things up. I'm missing most of the knobs from them. Fell in love with First Act after that. Bought their VW model guitar that, came free with uh if you bought a bug <laughs> that's awesome and, uh bought one of those and it's a weird little guitar it's awesome looking and uh two of our songs that are coming up have got that one on it i also play gretch now yeah. so gretch airline and first act is really all i play with anymore sorry fender i was you a didn't sponsorship guy myself i have an old 6185 gretch and then just an Epiphone Les Paul. Because we were talking about this before in another episode about Epiphone and how, like, they're fucking quality for the price, you know? I think that was Frozen Soul that we were talking to that about. Okay. I know we did one episode. Yeah, it's it's a shame, you know. Gibson, obviously, such a great product. But at the end of the day, setup is everything. I'd yep. rather play a 2 by 4 with strings on it that was set up by a good luthier than a $10,000 Gibson guitar that's not been set up well. Agreed. Right. See, you kind of went with the... ever was if you've ever seen the documentary, um, gosh, it might get loud. Yep. Oh, Jimmy yeah, Page yeah. and yeah. Jack White. Jack White Edge. pops the Coke bottle under the 2 by 4 and yep. says, who said guitar? <laughs> yeah. Love Jack White. Um, I probably wouldn't like him in person, but, you know, I'd shake his hand and... You don't think you'd you know, like him in person? 
Yeah, I don't know. I've heard rumors, but I um, look. If he hears this, I'd love if he proves me wrong. Yeah, he's a regular uh, he listener, dude. Oh, you heard he's not very nice, like to people. To fans. yeah, yeah, that's what I've heard. That's what I've heard. But again, could be completely wrong. Um, I like I said, Jack, if you're if you're listening to this now. I really hope you prove me wrong, invite me to your place, and we can uh, hang out a little bit. Don't worry, Mr. White. He's cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> we actually, like, uh, maybe a year or so ago, I posted from the store, like, a big White Stripes and Third Man Vault collection that we had. And uh, his record label, Third Man Records, sent the store, like, a gift box of a bunch of different albums oh, and, like, a or a handwritten letter and stuff like saying thank you and whatnot. But I think like fan interactions, like depending on how you meet somebody, you could have a good or bad experience with him. Like he's trying to eat dinner and you're like shoving paper in his face, like sign this, sign this. Like, yeah, I'd be a dick too, but yeah, I'm upset with him. You know, he had such a good look for such a long time. Now he looks like he's dressing and got hair like Johnny Depp. And he looks like, Johnny Depp dressed up as Jack White for Halloween. I don't care what he looks like. Fucking shit sounds dope. What is it? Yeah, what was it that said, um, like, Michael Sarah? Yeah, that's what Uh, it was. Michael Sarah dressed up as Jack White and Johnny Depp or some shit like that. I remember seeing that meme. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I, I, I like, really appreciate what he does for physical media and indie stores in general. Like, I've never met the guy or talked to him, don't know how he is as a person, but as far as, like, his side of business things, I'm very admirable of all that. Absolutely. I mean, I would think that he's probably in the top three people who brought vinyl back. And, you know, we're living in a world today where Target and Walmart are pulling uh, CDs off their shelves yeah. And putting vinyl up. Whoever thought that would happen? Yeah, I never and, thought you'd be able um, to buy bet, De La Soul at Walmart. I mean, you have Adele who buys every piece of blank vinyl uh, that she can get her hands on to the point that Ed Sheeran has to release an album early yeah. uh, to, to even get a piece of it. That backfired on her now, though, because you can buy her latest record like wholesale prices. I think they're $5 because they're trying to get rid of all the excess yeah, of them. so many. This a shameless self-pitch for all the Adele albums you're trying to get rid of? <laughs> I, already, I got rid of quite a few, actually. There you go. I just mark them uh, yeah. so, yeah, down. Incredible. It's incredible what he did with that. We went to Third Man Records. It's been some time ago uh, before the crutches, just on a little trip. Uh, Rooster and I did, and um, it, it's not what you think. It's in the back of a warehouse complex, and you walk in, and it is um, it is magical when you go in there. Yeah, I've seen videos and stuff, but I've never actually gotten to go to the building itself. I suppose, like, if you see pictures of Dan Orbach's uh, studio and setup, it's um, a lot more scary looking. Yeah. So, more for instruments, for you guys' band, you kind of went the left lane cruiser route and just kind of utilized whatever you could at the time to develop your own sound out of it then, which, to me, yeah. I think is cooler. We had actually, like, figured out how much gear we had and what how much like monetary value like we had in gear and at one point it was less than five hundred dollars no that's that's impressive Uh, i think we had a ride symbol that was like a hundred bucks 
and my Excelsior. And I mean, we're using a lot of thrift store stuff. Mm-hmm. Luckily, we've moved up a little bit in the world, gotten some more sponsorships, gotten to get some newer stuff. And, uh, but, you know, we don't forget our roots as to uh, the nastiness and grunginess that we could get out of uh, the old faithfuls. I think it helps mold your sound, though. Like, I, I like the way that it's presented when you hear the music. I mean, perfect example of this is, again, back to the documentary, It Might Get Loud. You look at Jimmy Page and Jack White play with each other, and then you have the edge looking like just a, a lost kid in Walmart, having no clue what to do, uh, because how do you jam with people when you have a, a designated pedal tech? Right. And if you, if you base your whole <laughs> yeah. career on, you know, I need 14 pedals to achieve a sound. It, I think it does hamstring you in a lot of ways. When I used to play, I, um, cause I'm a gearhead just in general. I like toys, you know, like stereo equipment and this and that. And I did that same thing where I had, I don't know, like six or seven pedals and it was all fun. And, and then it just got like, so cumbersome you're just fucking with the pedals the whole time so i just got rid of all the pedals only had a tuner and straight to the amp and it was a lot more fun yeah the only two pedals that i've ever used for this project was i had a ts9 tube screamer mostly for the excelsior because i couldn't push it hard enough without making venues really angry uh, about stage volume and then also uh have had a lot of fun with a, a uh Electro Harmonics Micro Pog. Oh, that's cool. I never used one of those. I've used a tube screamer, right. but yeah, the Micro Pog is great when you're wanting. You know, if you listen to the song, watch your back. That low E drone note that just okay. goes. When you want that to just hit hard, uh, and you want to supplement the bass on that, you just click the pedal, and boom, it, it explodes. You just have to remember to hit it again. <laughs> yeah, so to turn it, it off muddy mess when you go back into chord progressions right oh it just all mishmash can't even tell what's going on exactly which not sometimes isn't a bad thing right right right. Uh, so depends how many pbrs you've had if depending if that's a good thing or bad thing (laughs) so i read in that one interview that you did that you were making some music with bruiser queen or you were going on tour with them um i seen that band live seven years ago or so wow they opened up for uh gallows bound and the brains i want to say oh and creep show that's awesome so did you ever put stuff out with them no so we haven't yet uh that's one of the crooner like songs um morgan from bruiser queen i think honestly she has one of the best voices in indie rock voice right now She's one of the most phenomenal guitar players I have really ever, ever met. And Jason and Morgan are just really down to earth, really nice people. Uh, we were connected to them. I was in a duo band a long time ago. And um, we were connected to them because we played a venue in St. Louis on our very first tour called The Heavy Anchor. And we're booked there. And because we're a duo band, uh, the guy that booked us was Jason, the drummer for Bruiser Queen. And he said, man, 
I just love that y'all, you guys are a duo band. And he started naming a bunch of other bands that we loved, like Flat Duo Jets and Bass Drum of Death and Water Liars. And um, so we just felt right at home, you know, being nervous, first tour and everything. You know, fast forward 10 years later, we are um, able to put something out that I think actually makes sense to do a collaboration on. So um, we were touring through Jacksonville, Florida, liked the area. There was a lot to do here. Kind of got a sweet deal on a long-term rental. And we just stayed here for about three weeks because we found out Bruiser Queen was going to be on tour with the Jasons, the Queers, and they were actually playing with a band called Radio Buzzkill. So Jason was drumming for them and Morgan was playing guitar. And so we just wanted to see those guys in person. I had never met Morgan in person and uh, got to enjoy that show at uh, the Jack Rabbit in Jacksonville, Florida. So... um, Great, great time. Those guys are still rocking and um, really looking forward to sharing that song once it's ready. But, you know, there's a lot of challenges with recording remotely. Mm-hmm. And so we'd like to get that out as soon as we can work some of those kinks out. Yeah, the band is just her and is it her husband or boyfriend or something like that? Very honestly, I don't know. I I'm talked to sure. them like really briefly, together. but it was a long time ago. They've been playing together for a long, long time, and they are just, they are incredible. Um, I had no idea who they were. They just were one of the earlier day bands on that bill, and I always try to get there early to check out, you know, bands that you never heard of, so. Absolutely. All their stuff is on vinyl, so, you know, shameless pitch. Um, you should get their stuff to sell in the stores, because it's good. I can't think of one bruiser about them until I read your interview i was like oh shit bruiser queen i remember that band yeah i i can't name one song of theirs that i'm just like eh, i don't like it yeah, she's they got are some the pipes she can sing yeah they are the quintessential pop punk meets blues meets soul meets everything good and juicy yeah so do you all three of you are you all in the same area or do you record remotely when you're making your stuff currently or is that just like the other projects that you're working yeah, on with collaborators? So, yeah, so we're all in Chagrin Falls. And uh, what we find is the most beneficial when we're recording is, you know, we all have our little home setups and we record scratch tracks all individually. Mm-hmm. Um, so pretty often we're doing it that way. And then we come together at a a bigger studio that we built out over at uh, Rooster's house in a really big garage that I think we, if you ever noticed a shortage of egg crate and carpet, that was because of us. And um, our podcast studio is all carpet. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, we, we built it out there and we've been able to put out some really fun stuff, get some cool sounds out of that studio I didn't record House of the Rising Sun there, but everything else, you know, we did a lot of work in the studio. But, yeah, so so it's a mixture of mm-hmm. the two. But being that, you know, Morgan and Jason tour constantly, um, didn't want to interfere with their schedule. And so uh, they're going to be doing it remotely there in St. Louis. That's cool. How does, I don't know, I'm going to try to think of the right way to phrase this without giving away how does touring work for you guys so 
you know, we're just like another band. Really, at the end of the day, we're a hard one to catch. Uh You won't find us on Ticketmaster, unfortunately. Uh, But, you know, when you can find our shows, they're pretty fun. And if if you can't, then you can typically catch some snippets on YouTube. And uh, we, we try to, you know, without sounding like we're too exclusive, we're just very bad at letting people know exactly where our live shows are going to be. Gotcha. We always tell people after the fact, though. <laughs> yeah, that's the good right time to tell people, like, hey, we just played a show. Exactly. So I would just say, you know, definitely check out our Instagram, check out our um, YouTube page, and get the feel for, uh, you know, the, the live presence that we get to embody. I will definitely do that. And for listeners do that too. Um, I was reading also that red Fang was an influence on some of the stuff that you guys have already released, which I thought was a cool name drop in the midst of like the Beatles and stuff that you listed in there. Um, they're, Absolutely. They're a band those that I've guys. always been a big fan of. Oh man. Those guys, you know, I feel like everybody remembers where they were at when 9-11 happened mm-hmm. and everybody remembers where they were at when they heard wires from Red Thing for the first time. Uh, it's <laughs> I actually just that heard good of a them Prehistoric Dog was the first time Prehistoric I heard. Prehistoric Dog, oh my gosh. But there's something about wires. You can really hear it horribly so, not done very well. In the song Watch Your Back with a lot of just that droney, um electric wizard feel that you get in stoner rock that you know there's a breakdown in prehistoric dog that is probably the best breakdown in all rock history love those songs uh love the band those guys know how to put out a record those guys know how to get the most aggressive tone and i'm frankly i'm jealous of that really am had the opportunity to see them at a venue in New Orleans, uh, Siberia. Wow. Really cool venue on St. Claude uh, when we were in that area. You know, we were thinking that we were gonna have some beers with these guys and party hard. Uh, but at that point, they um, very professional and I learned a lot from that. They definitely, showed that music is a business because these guys, I don't remember where they drove from. They drove from somewhere else, played the show. We ended up buying them some Red Bulls and they took off in their van to go to Dallas after their show. So you're talking about a seven hour drive Uh after their show. So, you know, they're definitely playing music to eat and they are killing it. Absolutely love what they do. Hope to get to, you know, work with them one day. Yeah, that would be fucking sweet. insane, yeah. Because they're, I think they're still on relapse, if I remember right. Yeah, and man, what a what a good sport for a record label. I mean, you know, so many bands these days release music videos that, you know, make fun of their label, and it's fun. Yeah. Josh Hom has oh. some really interesting words to say about Interscope. We're not under a label with this project, which frees us up a lot. Uh, First project I've been in that didn't have a label affiliated yet. Do you have plans to pitch it to a label or do you want to keep it mostly independent? Are you just kind of riding with it and seeing how it goes? Yeah, independent for now. Labels, 
at a, at a certain point, there's only so much that labels can do or want to do until right. you reach reach certain thresholds. You know, at this point, um, unless it was some, you know, movie like deal, like that thing you do, or the rocker, or <laughs> any other rock yeah. music movie that it's just unrealistic. Unless somebody brought us a deal like that, yeah, probably wouldn't be actively pursuing it, but we're always looking for opportunities. But yeah, so they're under relapse. And if you haven't seen the music video for Wires, it's Is that about the, one where the label. They get the, they get the check and then they waste yeah, it on a bunch of dumb to, shit. Oh, and they're gosh. like driving a car into TVs and like bottles of milk and stuff. Brilliant. What a great video. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I think the check was like five grand or something. It wasn't five, like super exorbitant but it was uh i I love that music video just because it was hilarious yeah such a good music video so yeah when you get a label that lets you use that type of humor you know the black keys trying to remember what song it was it was music videos they were just walking around a pool with like a sock puppet yep and there was a subscript going across the screen talking about how their label made them make a music video (laughs) and hilarious so you know, we like uh, we like doing that. Do you guys have any upcoming tours planned or shows planned uh, in the near future? Yes, yeah, so we're pretty spontaneous about that type of stuff. Really, back in the studio for the most part right now, doing promotion. You know, we put out two EPs in nine months, and so it's time to you know get back and get get some new music out to the fans, and that's what we're focusing on right now but you know you never know when spontaneity might strike so like i said keep up with our instagram because you'll definitely be seeing where we where we're going and where we've been there yeah i'm looking forward to hearing the the bruiser queen collaboration and like the the crooner style stuff that you you'll be talked the person about. to get it okay cool i'll be looking forward to it have you guys made up any physical copies of the two eps that are out so, you know, we've we've discussed that back and forth. Um, you know, before uh, this band, I was in another project that, you know, printed up like 500 CDs, had a big box of them, and they got stolen. And um, funny story, they started turning up at Goodwills all over the country. <laughs> and I don't feel like you've made it as an artist until you found your T-shirt and your CD at a Goodwill. Yeah. And I thought I could blame it all on the CDs that were stolen, but then I found a CD at a Goodwill that was actually signed by myself. That hurt. <laughs> uh, that hurt a little bit more. Yeah, that's like uh, a real kick in the nuts. Holy fuck, dude! And so at the end of the day, I think that uh, you know the only thing that we would really be interested in putting out physically is um, maybe a forty-five or something like that, and uh, you know just hard to get the product the minimums are really crazy so if anybody wanted to do a crowdfunding campaign for us to throw about four or five grand to us to get a record out there we'd absolutely love to do it for them but you know even not just the printing side of things um we would have to get all the music remastered a lot of people don't know that that uh yeah you can't just slap what's on on a record yep yeah there's product limitations between cds and vinyl so it makes it challenging because we're in such a streaming environment and right, wrong, or indifferent. That's where we're at in music today. Mm. And if you can't beat them, join them. 
and when you're in the building phase and you're pumping out music as fast as possible and you know these record stores and um pressing companies and distributors have minimums that you can order it just makes more sense to stream um until you can get a collection that you know that you can sell yeah there's no point in putting yourself in the hole just to have just to please like a handful of people initially but again we are very open to donations just let us know uh we will take them and they might go towards getting a getting an album printed you never know as you go buy four more first act guitars absolutely Mm. you could probably afford them yeah i I mean inflation has really gotten out of hand i think they're probably at least 30 dollars at this point (laughs) i mean still though like you can't even buy a used (laughs) broken guitar for that in most cases one day i'll be able to buy my third or fourth well um we're reaching up about an hour here so we try to keep these things roughly around an hour so um I don't know. You got anything else that you would like to get out there for anybody listening before we start wrapping stuff up here? Yeah, well, I really appreciate you guys doing this, and I've had a great time boring everybody to tears. And um, I hope that, you know, I can offer this to all the listeners. If anybody's wanting a free download for a song, shoot us a message on Instagram. We'd love to get to know you, and we'll send you a promo code to get a uh, download for the song Watch Your Back. And, um, you know, other than that, we, uh, we just look forward to uh, building a relationship with our fan base and your listeners and putting out some new music for, for, for everybody, but also for us. We're excited about it. Awesome. Yeah, we're looking forward to it, too. And, um, I mean, one, thanks for getting a hold of us and uh, giving us the chance to get to know you a little and your band a little bit. And I'll have... Um, your Instagram in the episode description, uh, Bandcamp, anything like that that you want in there, I'll have. And then at the beginning of the episode, we'll be playing one of the songs so people can hear like what the band's about before they hear you guys' story. Man, yeah, that's awesome. I really appreciate it. Anything we can do to you know cross-collab and support each other, I'm all about. Well, like Ryan said, man, I think it's awesome you reached out to us. That makes me feel good. At least I know I'm doing the right thing, I guess. Well, y'all are posting the right stuff. I know y'all spent a lot of time with me. I appreciate this. Yeah, we appreciate it. If y'all ever it, need anything from me, let me know. And um, and let's let's do this again, maybe on next album or next video or something like this. Yeah, we're something always like that, looking man. for follow-ups with artists. And like, if you can get other guys from the band in and stuff, Absolutely. we could have a whole powwow with everybody. Like, yeah, for sure. I would love to. I hope that we can. That will be an act of Congress. <laughs> uh, if I can get them on the phone, it's a good day. Right. On. So, <laughs> musicians. Ugh. But yeah, we'll, we'll stay in touch. Let's just stay in touch, and and I'll um, you know keep you on the loop about releases and stuff. Cool, man. Appreciate it. You um, have a good night, and I'll be in touch with you soon. Sounds good. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Thank you.